0: Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Hey everyone, and welcome to Raising Parents, the Parenting Science Insights podcast produced by Ellen Masell, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week, we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I'm your host, Dina Sargent. Let's get started. Hey, guys, and welcome back to another episode. There are so many challenges. Facing teenagers today, one of which may be the experience of teenage pregnancy or related to it. If your teen is about to have a child, it can be overwhelming for all of you. Now, how can you support your child through the challenges that lie ahead? That's what our show is looking into today. We're looking to the support parents can give children during this challenge and also how to have the conversation or the talk with a child. To help me discuss this topic further is Dr. Anthony Ajay. Anthony is an associate research scientist at the African Population and Health Research Centre with over seven years of experience in conducting research and policy engagement in adolescent sexual and reproductive health, HIV and maternal health in sub-Saharan Africa. So thank you so much, Anthony, for joining me on the show today.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, It's my pleasure, Dina.
0: So to talk about... Um, to talk about your research a little bit more. So how did you get into wanting to research a little bit more into adolescent sexual and reproductive health?
1: Ah, uh, that's, that's an interesting question. I would say it's a bit of, it's a bit accidental. Um, <laughs> so my first piece of research focused on uh, um, civil service uh, workers. And it was a bit of a challenge to get them to speak to me. I was to interview you know, quite a number of them, um, but I struggled. It took over two, three months just sort of getting them. So I thought to, to myself that maybe interviewing young people uh, will be quite easier. And um, so when I was doing my uh, MA, I decided to focus on, 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 on students. And it was quite easy mm-hmm. to, to get students to talk. But now, you know, marks the beginning uh, of my interest in uh, adolescent health because subsequently, mm-hmm. um, I sort of, you know, when I begin to read about some of the challenges they face, um, and I begin to um, develop much interest uh, in, in understanding some of these challenges. I, and my my MA topic was on um, emergency contraception, um, and so to, to you know it. The findings are quite um, uh, interesting, or even shocking. Um, you know, the need to to prevent pregnancy it's uh, such a, such an important need for young people. Mm-hmm. But then often my my research shows that you know they lack knowledge, uh, or even so, uh, some of the methods they rely on uh, have uh, no proven efficacy. <laughs> Uh yeah. you see you see girls um say things like, you know, you just drink salt and water after sex and, and that prevents pregnancy. Or they say, Oh, you just drink um uh, soda. Or yeah, you know, they, they they argue that there are ways you can just um uh, remove the sperm and, and things like that. And today, now my is, the paper I wrote from it is one of my most read uh, articles healthy today. you know, I tried to it um use of non-emergency contraception and, and concussions as emergency contraception uh, among students in Nigeria. It's been read about 280,000 times in the journal, which is quite uh, rare for a journal article. Um, and and that sort of, you know, marks the beginning uh, of my focus on adolescent uh, sexual reproductive.
0: Yeah, it, it's so interesting to see sort of see how much teenagers act so much like adults, but they don't have the amount of knowledge that adults have, especially when it comes to um, contraception and all these different methods that are sort of now available. And I mean, I know when I was growing up, because I grew up in a, um, in a religious school, we didn't have sex ed classes. We didn't have, um, the the talk wasn't something that was given to us. So it's very interesting to sort of see um see how important it is but the fact that even though it's so important we still don't have the opportunities and kids still don't have opportunities to really understand it a little bit more sort of understand how their body works in that sense
1: uh yeah i I would say um you know young people you know has now become uh, a key battleground for uh anti-right movements um Mm -hmm. um you know they talk about the need to protect children that educating them would uh, uh, make them uh, initiate sex um and of course they talk about family values and and all these arguments just to ensure that young people do not have access to information but the mistake they are making is that young people can't access information um from friends. So the meaning, you know, I have a boyfriend, you know, you know, they can have this conversation about relationships with their friends. Uh, even if, if they engage in sex, they can actually discuss with their friends some methods of preventing pregnancy. They can even look it mm-hmm. up online. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you can't completely hide information from young people. Um, but you know, obtaining information from friends then, uh, means that you are not obtaining information from the, you know, the, the most, uh, you know, uh, corrects us because friends can tell you things that they also heard from somewhere, you know, which you can't really tell where the information originates from. So, sex education is meant to provide accurate information uh, on sexual reproductive health matters. I mean, including, you know, um right to bodily autonomy, including, you know, even issues of consent, uh menstruation. just name it. There are a lot of issues. Uh, uh, um, that that is discussed under comprehensive sexuality education, for example. So it's not just about oh, <laughs> you need to engage in sex and how you need to. How you need to. In fact, I'm not sure that it would cover the most of the sex education. You know, the matter of sex itself, but just around protection, around uh, around you know building your agency, uh, making informed decisions. Uh, as all of the topics covered under uh, uh sexual reproductive health, that is so 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 um at odds with religious views. So, you know, in your case, you attended a, a religious school. So I can not imagine that they probably would not uh, permit such uh, topics. And, and and now, for example, for, for most parts, uh, it's common uh, on the continent of Africa where I do most of my research. Um, and that's why I said young people have become the new battleground for anti-right movement. Um, they're just sort of um, 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 using them, you know, to create uh, emotional outrage, uh, or moral outrage, so to say, uh when when it comes to, to, to issues or matters of sexual reproductive health. But I mean, um, um, but I, I do not necessarily believe that uh, you know comprehensive sexuality education would then uh, be the reason young people engage in sex because they're already doing it. And uh, on the continent of Africa, one in four uh, adolescents uh, would become pregnant or a mother before they turn nineteen. That's, that's huge. In fact, estimates wow. from UNFPA shows that it's up to 11 million uh, uh, adolescents in Africa uh, that become pregnant annually. Um, that's a number of people, that's quite a, a huge uh, number of the population that, that's becoming pregnant on year-to-year basis. Of course, there are other reasons beyond um, comprehensive social education, maybe in countries like Nigeria or Chad. Um, there's limited investment in girls' education, and, and there's a lot of focus on on mm-hmm. child marriage. So maybe by the time you turn fifteen, you're expected to be married as well. Do that also contributes. But of course, in East and mm-hmm. Southern Africa, you know, you can argue that uh, lack of comprehensive sexuality education uh, contributes uh, to 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 uh, adolescent uh, childbearing.
0: No, I think it's such a There's such a wide range of reasons and I think especially the lack of education really plays a huge part in in teen pregnancy, in the chances, in the um, issues that sort of come along because if you're not educated, you don't know what to look out for. You don't know, especially when it comes to, I mean, including the whole idea of consent, which is what you mentioned a little bit earlier, it's that we don't have that understanding of what consent really means, especially as a teenager, you sort of just, you're young and naive, and that whole idea of being young and naive sort of plays a huge part in with the lack of educate being not being educated in these different issues. So it's so it's interesting, and I can't wait to dive into this a little bit deeper. But before I do, I love to start off with a little bit of an icebreaker. Just to get to know you as a person before I before we go ahead and discuss you as a professional in the topic. So when I say these um, say these questions, just say the first thing that sort of comes to your mind. And yeah, so I'll just go ahead and get started. Uh, so, what is your most recent book that you've read?
1: Hmm. <laughs> that's a, that's quite an interesting question. Um, it's something along the line that, of uh, AIDS is dead or something. Uh, okay. No, it's, it's it's a it's a book written. It's more like a critique of um uh, the 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 global uh, uh AIDS um, given to Africa, and, and now on ineffective it's become over the years. So it's like, I think it's titled mm-hmm. it, it Is Dead or something. But uh, I can't remember the title. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah.
0: No, that's okay. No, it's, it's, this is why this is such a, this is one of the most difficult things about the whole show. This is the most difficult questions about the whole show. <laughs> um, yeah. The next one is a favorite movie that you have.
1: Uh, there are so many, but uh, I think for me, uh, my most favorite movie of all time is Troy. Uh, I can, you know, just sort of follow through the entire movie and sort of repeat what I've seen because I've seen the movie several times. Yeah, sort of love Troy. Yeah.
0: Oh wow. Okay. I I don't think I've ever met someone who loves that movie. Um, what? It's it's such <laughs> no yeah for me it's such a difficult movie to um to get through. I have. I've watched it a couple of times, but I think I can't I don't love um uh oh, who's that one? The one that plays is played by Eric Benner. I forgot his name. But I don't I don't love him as the character, so I can't really get into it.
1: Yeah, I mean for me, um I sort of love uh, historical uh History generally. So for me, just sort of, you know, watching the movie like the old times, <laughs> that, yeah. that sort of vibe you know, makes the movie so appealing to me. Yeah. Uh, um, okay. And, and I love history generally. It's just sort of learning about, oh, uh, well, you know, it's 18th century. Just I always imagine what the world was like uh, before today. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, I can, I can see that. Um, How about a. Favorite podcast that you listen
1: to? Um, yeah, sort of listen to a bit of everything, <laughs> from science podcasts to to sports. To yeah, it's, this is this one is difficult. Well, <laughs> uh, do you have
0: a favorite genre of a podcast that you, if you had to pick a genre of a podcast to listen to?
1: Um. Hmm. I would say sports. Uh, yeah, okay. sports definitely football. Um, th- that's probably the one I, I listen to uh, 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 most often, uh, almost okay. on a daily basis. Yeah, I, I sort of. I'm a sports fan. A sport lover.
0: <laughs> I mean, I could tell. <laughs> <laughs> sure.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: how about a famous role model that you have? Um,
1: uh, I would say. Uh, it's, um, you know, you know, growing up, I, I, I grew up in a remote, uh, uh, town, uh, in Nigeria, so I would say my first, uh, role models, uh, my mom and my brother, you know, mm-hmm. I'm the last uh, child of the family. So, you know, it's, and, uh, I have one, one, um, an only brother, so it's sort of, you know, being the first child, sort of be the one to, to sort of lead and and you sort of look forward to emulating as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but also my mother, um, you know, because my dad was never at home. It's he, he, always busy working. So most yeah. of the lessons I, I learned growing up was also from my mother, you know, the value of work, honesty, integrity, those I learned from my mom. Um, but again, I would say uh, when I started reading books, I read uh, about, uh, I read The Gifted Ants by uh, Ben Carson. And sort of also inspired me quite a bit. So, yeah, I would say my earlier role models are, are probably my mother, my brother, as well as uh, you know just sort of reading about Ben.
0: <laughs> wow, that no, a it, new story, it's always, yeah. it's always nice to sort of hear a mother being their role model. It's always, it's always a really nice thing to hear.
1: <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, talking about parenting and joining us on the parenting show sort of fits in really well um I know that everyone has a very different definition as to what parenting is to them and what sort of what parenting really entails with a lot of people so what would your definition of what being a parent would mean to you
1: so that's an interesting question um because um just two years ago I started my own journey as a parent. Oh, wow. and I've been, yeah, I've been, um, you know, learning every day about parenting. Mm-hmm. So for me, uh, parents are like a God on earth. Um, and, and, and for me, you know, you know, the duty of care is never ending for parents. So parents are are not only life giver, but um, they, they also have huge responsibilities in terms of nurturing mm-hmm. care, um, in terms of upbringing, you know, values, uh, uh, provisioning, um, you know, just a bit of everything. So a parent is everything uh, to, to a child. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Oh, perfect. Um, so what piece of advice would you give to um, a person who's expecting a child to be aware of when they're going through that transition of being a parent?
1: I would just say they should um, embrace it. Um, It's probably one of the most uh, fulfilling uh, feelings you ever have um, to become a parent and to take Mm -hmm. on that responsibility. So for me, let me just embrace it. Um, You know, when you see the the, the little ones smile at you, (laughs) it's probably one of the best feelings you ever, you could ever have. Um, So just sort of embrace it. that and 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 give it your best um i would I would not say it's uh, it's completely easy uh, the sleepless nights um you know just sort of being responsible for a whole human being <laughs> twenty four hours uh just even when the baby's baby, is, baby, baby the, when the baby is sleeping, you still want to check to ensure the baby's breathing, you know <laughs> you're moving in between, oh okay, it's, the baby fine and all that, but uh. But again, um, um, and when they start to talk, oh my, oh my, oh my, it's, you know when you come home, they welcome you with big smile, you know, run towards you, you know, it's 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 this it's tough but rewarding, I would say. So just embrace it, enjoy all the all the moment, and they grow up so fast. Um, so document and document as much as possible, just so that you can see their journey and and see them grow from from so little what uh, to the adult they will become.
0: Oh, that's a perfect piece of advice. And I think that's the most in-depth piece of advice that I've heard so far, which is amazing. Now talking about the whole concept of teen pregnancy, uh, more specifically adolescent pregnancy as well. um, So how would you go ahead and define or explain the concept of teen pregnancy, adolescent pregnancy to our listeners today?
1: Um, So, adolescent pregnancy is simply, I mean, we pre- I prefer the term adolescent pre- pregnancy than, than teen pregnancy, and here is why. Uh, we've seen cases of 10-year-olds, uh, 9-year-olds, uh, 11-year-olds, 12-year-olds um, um, become pregnant. But, you know, that age mm-hmm. groups are, are not regarded as teen, they are, they are uh, adolescent, so I, I think adolescent pregnancy is from 18 to, to 19. Um of course it's uh, it's not as common as um pregnancy mm-hmm. um pregnancy happening you know between the age of thirteen and nineteen. Of course, even less common, you know, is a pregnancy between the age of ten, even to fourteen, but it happens. Mm-hmm. But age fifteen to nineteen, we see lots of adolescent pregnancies. Um so when we think about adolescent pregnancy we are simply saying pregnancy occurring at the age group 10 um to 19 often those pregnancies are planned or unintended um, as you know <laughs> young people want mm-hmm. to enjoy their their, their childhood or their so pregnancy is probably the least things <laughs> at the back of their mind and of course they are not ready to be parents uh, they themselves have been parented so uh, they are not ready to be parents uh, so it's just from um, you know, the idea of dating, uh, you know, you know, trying to imitate adults, uh, like probably get them into uh, uh, becoming pregnant so early. So for me, yeah, adolescent pregnancy, simply pregnancies are occurred between the age of 10 to 19. And in almost 90% of cases or even more, uh, those pregnancies are unintended.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. And so how do how does the whole idea of teen pregnancy, adolescent pregnancy and parenting intertwine or even influence each other?
1: Now, that's an important question. You know, when we began defining uh, who a parent is, um, you know, I sort of mentioned that a parent is like, you know, a god on earth for a parent. So for adolescents to become pregnant, you know, parents have a lot to contribute, either actively or passively. Um, so, I, I didn't know, because I've been, I, I'm, I'm working on an article on uh, social exclusion and adolescent pregnancy, that's my, my recent project, and I've been mm-hmm. reflecting a lot, you know, reading through the transcripts, and, um, you know, so sort of trying to understand the data. So. I would try to choose my words carefully because I don't want it to appear as though I'm blaming parents for adolescent pregnancy. Uh, some mm-hmm. parents themselves are are, are helpless uh, when it comes to preventing adolescent pregnancy, and um, I'll probably go a bit more into that. Um, but just to say, you know, parents have this uh, huge responsibility to care, to nurture, to provide, um, but often they are unable to meet these responsibilities uh especially uh, in the african context. um not that they are uh unwilling but just they lack the means uh to, to adequately provide and i give an example because of the work i'm doing in uh a, in a low-income uh urban informal settlement in kenya um most of the parents in low-income over of our, over of our, uh, informal settlements are either unemployed, or work in precarious, uh, uh job. They work precarious jobs. Precarious jobs means you our also, uh, you earn very little, so little that um, I mean, it's just sufficient to buy a grocery. People earn as low as um hundred dollars a month, um, wow. so, and um. Or maybe if you are so lucky, you hand maximum about $200 a month. And that's so, so little. But um, that's not the, old, the low income is not only what makes the work precarious, it's also the time demand of such work. Um, sometimes you have to leave your own children to go and leave, uh, to do full-time kind of living uh, housemate, whereby you leave, you know, Monday to Saturday, or even Monday to Sunday, all days of the week, work for money, there's no start time and no close time. You just sort of work and work and work and work. Um, You help in nurturing, you know, rich the middle class children, um, but at the expense of your own children. And um, if you stop working, then what happens to you? How do you feed and how do you meet your basic needs? So the choice of um, raising your own children and working um it's a tough choice you have to make and oftentimes people work so as to be able to at least have um, money to, to buy groceries uh, for for their children mm-hmm. that means that um, the children are without care without supervision and, and often because of the low income earned by their parents by the time they you know reach poverty, and and begin to 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 approach adulthood or transition to adulthood chances are that their needs are not adequately met, because now they have needs. They need to buy mm-hmm. personal effects. They need to buy uh, hygiene products. Um, they probably want to own a phone, and uh, maybe some of their colleagues or friends in school own some of these things. So you see, the parents are $200. You know, parents barely enough to put food on the table. Um, mm-hmm. So they probably may not be able to afford even something as basic as uh, bathing soap or or crimps, you know, and these things are, are really important. Or even underwear. Um or even clothes to look good for 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 the for the um, children. So what then happens is um men approach them, mm-hmm. um promise them all these things, um, promise to take care of them. Um and then of course they also want to do it, I mean because they interact with their peers and orphans. They lack the agency to make uh, informed decisions at that moment. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, people get pregnant for something as basic as, basic as menstrual pad, even um, um, the soft drink and all these things, um, and a lot of them are naive as well. So they do not, you know, have you know knowledge to make informed decisions and informed choices at that age. That's mm-hmm. that's what I see happen um, because. Um, At the same pregnancy, we must also be realistic, it's far common uh, among low-income earners um, than, say, among the rich to middle class. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not to say that it does not happen at all among uh, middle to upper class, but Mm -hmm. you can even describe it as something that is rare, you know, among that class of uh, people. It's something mm-hmm. that's really, really common among uh, well, lo- lo- low-income earners, about uh, children of low-income earners. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, I wouldn't generally now say it's a failure of parenting, but on some extent, you know, lack of parental supervision, uh, inadequate provisioning um, um, contributes uh, to a great deal, contributes a great deal to adolescent pregnancy.
0: Okay. and. How can parents, when going through these different issues, how can parents really address the children on sort of their lack of agency or the lack of autonomy? How can they do that effectively?
1: Yeah, I got asked these questions a lot, even by parents, um, Mm -hmm. because I've been in this space for quite a while. And you see parents walk up to me to say, "Uh, Anthony, uh, now... I'm getting worried because my daughter is turning 12, 13, and how uh, do I you know, begin to have this conversation with my adolescents? Um, and I felt like, um, you know, there is no easy answer um, because parents prefer to just sort of provide the abstinence, don't get close to boys sort of information. Uh, if we get close to boys, something bad will happen, something terrible will happen, kind of information. You know, parents yeah. sort of rely on fear mongering, uh, fear tactics, and then um, and, uh, when girls get close to boys and, they, and nothing happens, they sort of, you know, even get closer to boys, and, you know, on and on and on. Uh, parents do not want to be explicit about uh, matters, um, uh, sexual matters. But I believe it's important that parents build a relationship, uh, the open relationship, um, Create a, space, a safe space, where uh, they can communicate, you know, matters of relationships um, to their to their children. I, I think it's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, parents should try not to be too to, not to be abusive. Um, they need to show care, and they need to they need to discipline in the right way, um, but mm-hmm. they can still emphasize the need for openness um they need to to be able to discuss these matters and and then be able to um to accurately find moments uh, to bring um, uh the teaching moment maybe you might be just be watching a movie and you uh with uh, adolescents I do wish rare because the preferences are different, they are so different um but i mean just find those sorts of teaching moments where mm-hmm. you can begin to bring up this conversation because uh if you do not discuss it with them, they will discuss it with their friends. And it's better yeah. to hear from you <laughs> than that yeah. from their friends because they can't can they can, um, uh, they can hear things that are probably untrue. I've heard people that you know in in, in my research say that you know, uh, because you know over the past few years, I've been trying to understand the lived experiences of um pregnant and parents and adolescents. <laughs> and um they've told me things like, you know, I I don't know that's how people just got pregnant. I thought you need to engage in sex, you know, a, a lot of times before you become pregnant. And you wonder where did they hear that from? <laughs> and uh, some would say, yeah, it was my only second attempt. And I felt like I still have some sort of, you know, more times to do it before I become pregnant. So, And those are things that young people might discuss among themselves, especially very young adolescents. And that's why it's important mm-hmm. to, to have these conversations, and mm-hmm. to be able to explain to them how people get pregnant, what parenting entails, and whether that's the choice they want to make for themselves so early <laughs> in life, yeah, um, yeah. So all these things are, um, um, are important. You need to to find mm-hmm. moments to discuss these matters. They need to understand how people, you know, become pregnant. Don't just stop at. Don't get close to boys. Explain to them. It's so it's natural to have these feelings to so like boys, <laughs> um, but um, you know, except you want to become a parent, do not probably get into A, B, and C, and 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 just be open and honest, candid with your with your conversation with your with yeah. your children.
0: I think the hardest thing is trying to balance being a friend, being the friend to your child, but also disciplining them, and I think like. I've heard so many so many um, stories so far in the show and it's one of the difficult things to really want your child to tell you everything at the same time you want to be able to tell them that they shouldn't be doing this or they shouldn't be doing that. So there's a lot of, it's a hard balance between being the person that they can tell everything to but also wanting to tell them that's not the right thing to do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I do know. As a parent of a two year old. <laughs> Anytime I told my two year old to stop doing something, she just sort of go ballistic and you know, lie on the yeah. floor and and, <laughs> and and protest and protest and protest. Don't touch the TV. Oh my oh my she starts crying. You know. Um yeah, finding that balance can really be difficult. Um and I, and, and for adolescents. um, they tend to also feel that, you know, they they, are, they you know, they want independence. They feel that probably they have been they are controlled too much and um, um and I can imagine, mm-hmm. you know, they can really be rebellious as well. So yeah. But I think um not showing care and, and, and you know, building that relationship starts from day one. Um you need to 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 create opportunities for them to express themselves. Um and you need to encourage and them to to express uh, themselves, you know, early in life. Um, if they're able to <laughs> express themselves, they'll probably be the one to say, you know, I heard this from my friend. Uh, is it true? They might probably be the ones that will bring the questions to you. <laughs> and then, I'm, you know, it becomes easy to, to discuss uh, those issues. So, yeah, just sort of raising kids to to, to know their rights, to, to be able to express themselves um, can't contribute to um, um to, to bridging that gap between striking that balance between being a parent and being a French, yeah.
0: And talking about some of the signs that sort of go off and some of the warnings that are sort of given, what are some of the key signs that teenagers might be at risk for teen pregnancy?
1: Yeah. Um... Now I'm sort of reflecting on 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 the interviews we did uh, with parents, um, mm-hmm. and the parents were quite um, uh, vivid in their descriptions of these signs. So I'm just sort of going to draw on those um, on those uh, uh, interviews. So parents often say things like mm-hmm. um, the sort of associations uh, that uh, the the their children keep. Um some situations they are uncomfortable with uh you see them uh, go out a lot um uh they become very secretive about where they are going where they've been um <laughs> you know sort of find any excuses to be out there um and yeah. then yeah you know that that's that's an important sign to say something might be happening uh that requires uh, your attention. And uh, and of course, um, mm-hmm. depending. I mean, this question is in is it's twofold. Um, some some children live in um, you know sort of um um uh, loosely tied uh, loosely tied uh, neighborhoods where people can access your your household as well. So uh, especially when you're away, um, so you might mm-hmm. see them receive friend uh, you know. Receive even male friends uh especially when you're away or or you see them also visit a lot. I'm not saying that visiting itself is always bad um, but but um it's important to, for you as a parent to know what they are visiting to, to to sort of know what's <laughs> actually happening and, and 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 keep your ears on, on the ground. Um, to understand what is going on, but you will see sign. Rebellion is a, it's an important sign as well because when they want to go out, they want to go out. They even sneak out. <laughs> uh, they sort of rebel, I I was discussing with a a, a young lady uh, who was you know describing how she got pregnant, and, and she told me at that time she just did not want to listen to her parents. She did not want. She felt like she was missing out that, hey, look at my friends mm-hmm. going out, even going to club and party. But my parents was trying to sort of change me and I was so, so rebellious and I rebelled. I even, you know, it got to a point she ran away from, you know, from the house completely and sort of moving with that boy that has promised her everything. And, uh, and he was in the process of, you know, sort of rebelling and leaving the, the parents. to so go moving with a boyfriend that, that she, mm-hmm. she, you know, got pregnant. So rebellion, because um, it's a good sign. Um, uh, oh, if they threaten to go out, uh, it means they have somewhere they want to go <laughs> go live. So, yeah, those are those are no, those are signs to look forward to. And then when they get gifts as well, uh, yeah. expensive gifts, it might also be a marker that uh, uh they're in a relationship as well.
0: No, that's it's. It seems very sneaky, but it also feels like signs that we've seen so many times before. And I know that my parents, um, they are telling me stories about what they used to do as kids. And um, it's so interesting to sort of see how not much has changed (laughs) in terms of the sneaking around and um, running away. And I remember that my mom used to tell me that she she got a nose ring when she moved out for university. But every time she went back home, she would always just take the nose ring out and pretend like it doesn't exist.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. There's, uh, there's
0: so many signs that we've seen.
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure. I, I like the fact that you emphasize that things have not changed. And and of course, <laughs> uh, that, that's true. There's also been a bit of a, and there's no change per se in terms of how young people behave. Um, I think maybe the only difference now is that there are mobile phones and uh, social media? There are lots of um Nollywood uh, Hollywood movies, you know, you know, the kinds of things that people watch. Um again, creating that excitement around relationships, around love, finding someone to call boyfriend mm-hmm. and and things and things as such. Um and also even in, in terms of parenting as well, parents always want to cage uh, their children uh, to ensure that they are not exposed to all these things as well. So even in terms of period, not a lot has, has changed as well. Um, but I would say, you know, this sneaking around is, uh, remains an important sign uh, to look forward to.
0: Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think it's, it's the most obvious sign to me. Now, talking a little bit more about some of the key challenges, what, do you think are some of the challenges that are faced by adolescents who experience teen pregnancy? And how do you think that parents can best support them? Um,
1: I know for both parents and adolescents, um, that's a such um, a radical change. Uh, a change that parents do not um, uh, look kindly little uh, or even, so you see parents react really uh, um, but of course, because they are disappointed, um, so parents uh, might overreact sometimes, um, especially in our countries uh, on the African uh, continent. You see, parents even uh, chase their daughters away from the home, uh, especially fathers. Fathers do not want to hear about it at all. Um, so it's a mm. uh, it's a really disappointing moment, and. Even though that's the time adolescents need their parents the most in terms of support, you see parents even pull back their supports um yeah in a lot in 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 a lot of our contexts. and that is really damaging uh, mm-hmm. to the health of adolescents um you know first you see adolescents even try to terminate the pregnancies on their own um and uh, you know a number of them die uh, as a result of unsafe abortion because in our context as well abortion is uh, considered illegal illegal um and because abortion is illegal you can't walk into a hospital and uh, to request for termination of pregnancy so you see young people try to take out the problem themselves and um, they are advised to, to, to inject all kinds of concussions or even insert sharp objects into their uterus and, um, and in much of our studies on abortion, uh, young people are predominantly, uh, the group, uh, that seek post abortion care. In fact, young people as, uh, young as 10 to, to 24 constitute a wealth of women mm. seeking post abortion care and often they are the ones who experience most severe, uh, complications. So parents need to be aware of that, uh, that whatever decision they make uh after finding out can have implications and and from uh, you know mild to, to extreme implications, even death, Um, because it might drive the young girl to attempt abortion. Yeah if you're unkind uh to mm. them. Um parents also have been reported to become, you know, both physical and verbally abusive and towards adolescents, mm-hmm. uh, the pregnant adolescents. and and then some withdraw, you know, financial support, both for their education and for their upkeep as well. Um I would say these are not um, the right reactions that parents should should make. Um mm-hmm. they should they should rather instead um um uh, try to provide even more support. For the adolescents uh, at this stage, and there are a lot of um, uh, sliver lining. Uh, I've had stories of um, parents that opted to support uh, the adolescents after the initial disappointment, and things turned out well for those adolescents uh, eventually. And a lot of stories. Uh, you know, I've had many of these stories. In fact, the deputy minister for uh, gender in Malawi, mm-hmm. you know, was once an adolescent brother. And now today, she's a deputy minister. So it tells you that uh, with parental support, you know they can really rewrite their stories, and 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 yeah. make impact in the society. So, and that's the positive side, and that's actually what parents should should focus on when this mistake has happened. Um, it's not a time to pull back the supports, but a time to, to to even increase their support, both emotional and uh, and 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 and. Um, um, provisioning, um, it's the time to encourage them. They need to reassure them at this moment. I know it's difficult, it's tough. <laughs> the adolescents themselves are really disappointed even as much as their parents. Often they say things like, oh, I, f- mm-hmm. I felt like I've disappointed my parents. Um, and that, that that feeling of letting their parent down, it's so overwhelming that a lot of them get into depression. Uh, mm-hmm. Some mm-hmm. get into, so sort of isolate themselves. Um and it's facing a lot of mental distress at, at, at the moment a lot of them cry a lot. they are constantly sad they withdraw from people mm-hmm. you know question about um of um ways that, that that they react that could be detrimental to their to their uh, physical health. Some even attempt suicide um uh, there's that, that, a young lady it, it, that took part in my interview that described uh one day that the father was so so to. Um, because of her pregnancy and she just felt like maybe today's just the day to end everything and she went she was on her way to buy um, uh, some poison to, her to take uh, to, to kill herself and he took the intervention of mm-hmm. the uncle um, that saw her on her way to the um, that sort of shared her up and and, and and even bought her, you know, mm-hmm. drinks, food to eat, you know, was quite kind to her and all that. And that's was was what stopped her from, you know, uh, killing herself that night. Um so parental reaction when negative can result in, in into debts, uh, into mental distress, uh, which is another key challenge they face. And of course because they don't work, mm-hmm. adolescents do not have jobs. So they need money, you know. So pulling financial support at this stage, means that there is no way for them to survive, uh, and often adolescents yeah, uh, uh, become pregnant by also, you know, their peers, their, you know, people of their age mates who also equally do not have jobs, and many of them deny paternity as a way out. So it seems like there are no uh, options on the other side. Say, oh. Now you're a mother. You need to go live with your partner. How how are they gonna survive? Mm-hmm. And some parents make that decision uh, to allow the adolescents to go live with uh, their 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 partners, who then maltreat them, mm-hmm. them? I suppose them to um, to physical and and and, and sexual violence. Um, so yeah, oh again, we've done some research that indicated that. Uh, they also face uh, intimate partner violence uh, as as well, and uh, and that could not be separated from their young age, uh, their lack of agency, their naivety, and all that. Um, so parents, we need to step in uh, at this point to uh, to to provide the, the nurturing care, yes, yeah, so, and they should continue doing that.
0: Mm so one of the next questions that i was just sort of thinking about was when it comes to a parent finding out um i think we've spoken about the female side when it comes to the pregnancy and telling the father what happens to the male side of that to the boy telling the father that he's gotten someone pregnant is there discussions on that a little bit more
1: yeah that's that's quite interesting um so in our stu- in, in in my studies over the past few years we've also been trying to understand uh how adolescent pregnancy affects, affects boys um of course mm-hmm. not a lot not the number in terms of the number of boys that got people pregnant uh, They are not as many as the number of girls you know becoming pregnant you, you but well, that's lost to say that there are no boys, you know, making girls pregnant as well. And uh, you've seen um, policymakers contemplate um, uh, expelling them from schools as a policy option to deter them from uh, making girls pregnant. Um, okay. So boys also face uh, similar challenges uh, to girls. Um, so from my interviews with boys. Um, We've also had a, a lot about you know parental disappointments um, in them making girls pregnant. Uh, even the reactions from the community members is, are quite similar. So they socially exclude them. They don't want their children to interact with these boys that made someone pregnant. Um, of course, there's just a lot of paternity denial because of the fear of the consequences as well. So they sort of feel that the easy way out is just to deny responsibility to say I- I'm not the one. But of course, for those that accept uh, responsibility, we've seen them probably run away from the home as well. You've um, seen mm-hmm. a lot of them drop out of school again to to work media jobs to be able to to, to provide some sort of support. Um, there's a particular case in our dissemination in Burkina Faso uh, of a boy that came to, to share his story. And he said he knows a number of his friend, friends that denied responsibility, but he chose to take up the responsibility. And now what he does is to work uh, two days a week and then go to school three days a week just to be able to, to put together some resources to to assist in caring for the baby. Um, so there are stories mm-hmm. like this, um, but I would say they face a similar challenge. And I, I think for them, one of the most uh, significant challenges is their inability, uh, to be a father. Um, they feel like they, they have shortcomings in terms of being the father they would like to be. And one of their key aspirations is to be a better father, to, to be able to have resources to raise, uh, their young child, which often uh, they, mm-hmm. they lack. Um, uh, because of their age, because of their, their you know, inexperience, lack of qualifications so, to secure, well, you know, good jobs. Um. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. No, no, it's really interesting because I think like when you say, like seeing both sides of it, seeing the pressure that they both, both sides face and seeing the um, the amount of backlash that sort of, parents are dealing with both the boy and the girl sort of dealing with the pregnancy and figuring out how best suits the well-being of the child as well because now there's a third generation that's now involved in having to figure out how to handle them and how to make sure that they are being looked after so when it comes to the parents who discover that their teenager is, pre- is pregnant, um, what advice can you offer to them to approach the situation with the understanding and the compassion that we were speaking about before?
1: So for parents, they do, I think the first thing for them is to realize that this has happened and, and, and to sort of understand what their options are. Uh, Chances are that Mm. um, they might find out late Um, and and in most cases, that's probably what's going to happen. So depending on the the decision that they they make, if they decide to keep the Mm. pregnancy, um, I think it's important to begin to reassess their role as a parent at this stage. So to find ways to overcome the initial disappointment, I think that's usually the the the, the first stage. You're probably going to be angry, um, you'll be disappointed, and those feelings are normal. It's, uh it's gonna it's, that that's going to be your initial reaction, um, because you mm-hmm. we all as parents, parents expect a lot from their their children. They, they look forward to their children just sort of conquering the world, you know, dominating and excelling in academics, uh, and that that and and let me just say that. All these uh, dreams and goals you have for your children are still possible, despite the disappointment of um, of, of the early pregnancy. So uh, they that needs to you know they just need to keep that at the back of their mind that you know pregnancy do not necessarily mean the end of their educational dreams or some these lofty goals and achievements that they, they expect their children to, uh, to accomplish, and that and that mm-hmm. accepting that. Will probably be important for their own healing, individual healing. And I must say, there are two categories of parents. There are parents that take responsibility, that felt like they must have missed something for this to happen. And these parents mm-hmm. tend to provide support because they believe they contributed to the pregnancy. And there are parents that do not take any responsibility at all. They blame everything on their on on their daughter. Um. So this particular group of parents, it's important that they quickly find healing because whatever decisions they make will have long, lifelong implications um, for the adolescent child. So finding that moment to quickly heal, um, to overcome the disappointment and to take on their responsibility as parents to both the adolescent girl and the baby that is to come uh, it's really important. Mm-hmm. Uh, for 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 me, I've been trying to um, you know, read around what interventions can s- help support adolescent mothers to ensure their empowerment, to ensure their return to school, mm-hmm. um, to ensure that they're able to earn decent living i and all that. And one thing that is so notable it is the fact that parental support seems to be the only intervention that can, you know, result in all this. So it's important that parents realize that the adolescent the adolescent is still their child and they are still have a duty of care uh, to the adolescent, even though uh she's pregnant or, or parenting. So Mm-hmm. For me, my advice to parents is to take on that responsibility, to embrace that responsibility, and to continue to support the child, um, to ensure that. For, I think, in particular, um, they might have to take care of the baby, for the daughter to pursue her, dr- her dreams, and and that's report mm-hmm. and that's probably maybe one of the toughest uh, part of it to take, uh, having to now parent another baby. <laughs> Even though you thought, "Oh, I've passed that stage," uh, but if you do not do that, <laughs> then um, you might be compromising uh, a lot on 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 the young on your own daughter' accomplishing her, her dream. So, you might have to do that uh, task of parenting the, the your grandchild as well, yeah. so that she can pursue her dreams.
0: Yeah, uh, I I love that that idea because th- that was going to be the next question that I was going to ask you as well. In order to for the child to also get an education, to be a bit more educated, and it's that's such an interesting answer because I mean you you said it earlier that a lot of parents don't want to be thought that that whole idea of parenting is over; they don't have to raise an infant ever again. But sometimes it's it's the best solution in order to make sure that that child's future is going to grow and that the one mistake is just not going to be their whole life as well so and that advice is also it's a really good piece of advice i think in my opinion because it's just so it's enabling the child to know that okay yes you've made this mistake but you're not you're bigger than this that you can do so much more than this
1: absolutely absolutely um there, there is an example. I was discussing with um someone from Zimbabwe and mm-hmm. um and she told me that she got pregnant in her first year in the university and uh she was planning to move in with a boyfriend and she was thinking mm-hmm. about they would build the you know, she had this fairy tale of how they are gonna build their own castle and things were just gonna turn out well, you know. And the parents said no you go back to school we take care of this baby for you and she said that decision um, helped her and that's probably the most important thing the parent did for her that 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 results in 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 better outcome for her today you know she currently works with the un women with the united nations uh women yeah today and she told me that this wouldn't have been possible had the parents not make that decision to to um encourage her to return to school and care for the, the, the infants. And she said uh, yeah. one of our, our nieces got pregnant and the parents were so disappointed so they they sent her away from the house to go live with the, the family of the partner. And I think, uh, mm-hmm. I think, at seven months or seven to eight months into the pregnancy, they reassessed their decision to just sort of, sort of, you know, go check on her to see how she she was living, and uh, they discovered mm-hmm. that she's, you know, she, she's practically become the wife to the family. She was cleaning, even though she was, you know, heavily pregnant. She had to fetch water from long distance. You know, the way she was living was way, way below. Um, or the quality of our life was way way below what you know they provided. So they decided to you know pull her away from the from the uh, from the family to come live with them. Mm-hmm. And today she's uh, she's going to college. I mean, you know, and that would probably wouldn't have been possible if they had you know if they had not reversed that decision of sending her away uh, from home. So there are lots yeah. of stories, you know, that sort of indicate that parental support is crucial. That's not the time to pull back parental mm-hmm. support. But that's even more that's even the time to increase parental support.
0: Yeah. No, that's that's an amazing story. I love I love the way that they've sort of just come together again and supported her in such a better way that they know that they can support. And I I love hearing stories like that where the relationship between the parent and the child is still so strong even after the mistake that the child made or the situation that the child's in.
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: (laughs) Yeah, this leads perfectly well into the last section of our show, which is the open mic. And this gives you a chance to share any research that you've recently wanting to be shared shared with the audience, um, any work that you're doing currently as well. So in the last minute, I'd love to give you the floor and just share something that you would love to share with our audience.
1: Yeah, uh, thank you for the opportunity. I would say um, uh, at the African Population and Health Research Center, you know. Um, part of our, our vision is to transform life through research and in my own way of contributing, having um, done a lot of research to sort of understand the, the lived experiences of pregnant and parenting adolescents, having spoken to boys, having spoken to parents, um, even policy We've um, come, come up with an intervention that we're currently testing in uh, Malawi and Kenya. We call it Promotes, um, but the title of the study is Action to Empower Our Adolescent Mothers um, uh, Through Education. Um, uh, Yeah. So the intervention encompasses three uh, components. One is um, a a conditional cash transfer, Uh, so it's conditioned on uh, re entry into school or vocational training. But also, you know, we also provide uh, child care vouchers um, because we know it's important that it's not all. It's important to to get that support uh, for child care for you to pursue education or, or pursue vocational training. Um, and then <laughs> life skill education is the third component. So we organize them into mothers' club, uh, where we uh, have them meet. I think uh, biweekly, or uh, sorry, bi monthly. And then they go through uh, all kinds of topics, uh, ranging from financial literacy, uh, to you know SRE share, uh, education, managing gender visible violence, and and all these uh topics. But also for them to also interact to know that they are not alone. There are other girls uh who got pregnant like themselves, uh, just to be able to also discuss and and build that uh, social capital among themselves. Um. So Mm -hmm. these interventions um, have been tested as to speak uh, in Malawi and Burkina Faso, and they have been well received by the adolescents themselves. And even though, you know, the cash transfer appears so little, uh, it's so significant for for these girls. You know, remember I said adolescent Mm -hmm. pregnancy is common in in low-income settlements, So, so the cash transfer it's really, really important to these girls, and hopefully, maybe by next year, um, I will definitely have some some the results of these interventions and be able to share. But that's what I'm working on, and, and that's uh, and sort of just to encourage uh, more people to to donate to adolescent mothers to, to support them in your own little way. Uh, if you find anyone well in your community, uh, contribute, support. Um, and to some of my uh, thoughts, or now you can can be part of the conversation. Sure.
0: Well, thank you so much, Anthony, for sharing a lot of your information. Also, sharing um, the cause as well. I think it's such a great it's such a great cause. Um, it's helping so many people, so many young people who don't know a lot about the world, but who are forced to be an adult far too early. So I think that cause is such a great one in order to help children grow their lives up a little bit more after a situation that they've been, that they found themselves in. So it's amazing work what you're doing with that. And I, ca- I can't wait to see uh, how that goes in a year's time and how it all works out. Um, if there's a way that audience members would like to get in touch with you to sort of talk about this a little bit more, or just to reach out to you, is there a way that they're able to, uh, get in contact with you?
1: Um, uh, for sure. I mean, um, uh, i can mean send me DM on, on on my social media andus. Um, on Twitter, um, my handle is uh, at A-I-A-J-E-Y-I. so just my surname. Um, with a i, my initials. Okay. <laughs> so my initial is at. Okay. Anthony Ido, then Ajay um, on Twitter. But also my LinkedIn, my um, Facebook, just search for my name, and um, you can send me a message okay. and I'm here to respond. Um, and if you must uh, really uh, talk to me, we can take the conversation further uh, after the initial contact. So you can just email me uh, as well. My email is addresses a ajay at And my personal email is simply my surname and my first name, and ajay Anthony at gmail.com
0: Oh that is perfect. I'll have those down in the as a link below so it's easy access for everyone to find. But Thank you so much Anthony for joining me on the show today and for talking about such an important topic and definitely a topic that we don't we don't get to talk about that often we don't hear about that often so it's so great to sort of see um and to see your work helping the community as well is is such a such an incredible thing so thank you so much for joining me on the show
1: thank you Dina for having me um it's my pleasure to also speak about my work (laughs) so Uh, um, just providing this opportunity. It's really well appreciated by me. uh, And thank you so much.
0: Now, thank you for joining me on an amazingly early time on your end. Yeah. (laughs) You've been listening to Raising Parents, the Parenting Science Insights Podcast, produced by the Parenting Science Labs, a division of LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. More episodes are available from 10 life management perspectives and can be found by searching LMSL on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcasting apps available on your devices. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating our show, sharing it, and subscribing to our channel, as it helps other people find it so that we can grow and bring you more quality resources. More of our work can be found on our website at pa.lmsl.net, where you can join our movement. I'm Dina Sargent, thanks for tuning in.